You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. We'll get to the vice presidential debate clips analysis. But first, let's talk about the news. The Commission on Presidential Debates essentially making the decision to deplatform live appearances by the president and vice president Joe Biden for the upcoming October 15th debate, saying that they instead want a virtual debate. So like all of those Zoom meetings that uh, you've been having with your office or uh, your friends, imagine that imposed on the presidential debate structure. Here's my concern. Are they really doing this, as they've stated, for the purpose of protecting Joe Biden from the risk of coronavirus from the president? Or is this an effort to create a platform where the moderator has more control, uh, where the president is not able to exert his dominance on the format the way he was live and in person. The president now saying that he will not participate in a digital debate. He is demanding the live in-person performance. I think that's smart for him politically. I think that you know that makes uh, Joe Biden look like he doesn't want to be live and in person with the president for other reasons, if in fact the president is able to show uh, repeated negative tests for coronavirus, for the active virus. Now, obviously, the president will test positive for the antibodies because that's how uh, he seems to be defeating the virus is through those antibodies. And we certainly hope that process continues to go well. And based on my knowledge of talking to you know the folks in and around the White House, uh, he, in fact, continues to get better and uh, really is, is back to uh, the full swing of things and full focus uh, on the country and what we need to do as Americans to defeat this virus, to open up our nation, to restore our economy, and to preserve a safe life as we know it on our streets in the absence of mob rule. I think that's the direction that the country needs from its leader, and it's what I suspect President Trump is doing each and every day to ensure that our nation is still the envy of the world. I think the Presidential Commission on Debates hopes that a Zoom debate would have less interruption uh, would have sort of more of a virtual presentation feel. But when American jobs are on the line and a president has to get eyeball to eyeball with Xi, you don't get to zoom in for that. When we need these Asian monarchies to get their act together to clean up their own countries, to kill the terrorists that threaten peace you know, themselves rather than expecting the United States to do it in each and every circumstance at tremendously high cost in blood and in treasure. You sometimes need to have that alpha male in-person presence that the president brings. And by the way, when I, when I say alpha male presence, I've also seen that very effective with an alpha female presence. Uh, it's not gender specific, but in the case of Biden and Trump, you know, Biden is clearly the beta and that was evident in the first debate, and I think it's why the Commission on Presidential Debates was all too willing to accept a digital format. The president is not accepting that virtual format. We'll see how it goes. Last night's vice presidential debate was a good one. There was a lot of policy discussion, 
I thought the vice president clearly won the debate. I thought he seemed in control uh, most of the experience. And that's not to say that Senator Harris didn't have a couple good moments herself. I want to break down three parts of the debate, the virus, the economy, and China. Let's start with the virus. Take a listen to Vice President Pence comparing the response of the administration to how the prior administration dealt with the swine flu. You know, the reality is when you talk about, about failure in this administration, we actually do know what failure looks like in a pandemic. It was 2009. The swine flu arrived in the United States. Thankfully, it was ended up not being as lethal as the coronavirus. But before the end of the year, when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, not seven and a half million people contracted the swine flu. Sixty million Americans contracted the swine flu. If the swine flu had been as lethal as the coronavirus in 2009, when Joe Biden was vice president, we would have lost two million American lives. His own chief of staff, Ron Klain, would say last year that it was pure luck that they did, quote, everything possible wrong. And, and we learned from that. They left the strategic national stockpile empty. They left uh, an empty and hollow plan, but we Thank still learned from it. And I, I think Vice the American Pence, people, I'm going to say again, can be Vice proud President Pence, I'm sorry, of what we have up. done. And Senator, please Thank you, stop President undermining Pence. confidence in a vaccine. I thought that was interesting that the vice president brought a lot of data to bear. The criticism of the Trump administration in the era of coronavirus has largely been, well, you know, they are over there operating on instinct and feel, and there's this universe of of uh, technocrats who have all the data, and if we would just put them in charge, then everything would be fine. Here, I think Pence pushes back on that with data, with infection rates, uh, and I thought it was very effective. And obviously, the vice president knows his stuff. Uh, as the chairman of the coronavirus task force, uh, he seemed to be well in command there, and uh with a path that puts our country back on a plan to reopen. I mean, the, the bet here is that there are a lot more people who have been negatively impacted by the lockdowns than have been negatively impacted by coronavirus. And obviously, while even one death of the corona, from coronavirus is not acceptable and is China's fault for the way that they acted at the beginning of this disease that could have been contained, uh, we are at a circumstance politically where I think the candidate of lockdowns and shutdowns loses, the candidate of reopen, use safety protocols, you know, follow the evidence on how we can do so in a way that is sustainable. You know, that is the winning path. And so uh, I think that the vice president was very good in that portion of the debate. Um, also want to talk about the economy. Uh, Senator Harris, she really utilized the Republican Trump tax bill uh, as the centerpiece of her critique of the administration's environment or uh, economic policy, I should say. Uh, take a listen to Senator Harris. On the issue of the economy, I, th I think there couldn't be a more fundamental difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden believes you measure the health and the strength of America's economy based on the health and the strength of the American worker and the American family. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump, who measures the strength of the economy based on how rich people are doing, which is why he passed a tax bill benefiting the top 1% and the biggest corporations of America, leading to 
a $2 trillion deficit that the American people are going to have to pay for. On day one, Joe Biden will repeal that tax bill. He'll get rid of it. And what he'll do with the money is invest it in the American people. And through a plan that is about investing in infrastructure, something that Donald Trump said he would do, I remember hearing about some infrastructure week, I don't think it ever happened, but Joe Biden will do that. He'll invest in infrastructure. It's about upgrading our roads and bridges, but also investing in clean energy and renewable energy. Joe is going to invest that money in what we need to do around innovation. The Republican tax bill, while not perfect, while I think too geared towards some of the K Street special interests that buy off congressmen, uh, it did work. It did bring back capital to this country. It did fund the wages of Americans. It did lead to greater business confidence and consumer confidence. And it was one of the cornerstones of building what was the strongest economy that the world had ever known prior to coronavirus. Vice President Pence also uh, had, I think, very strong economic arguments. I think this might have been actually his strongest portion of the debate, talking about the onboarding of jobs, uh, the negative impacts of the Green New Deal. Uh, take a listen to the vice president on the economy. When president Trump and I took office. America had gone through the slowest economic recovery since the Great Depression. It's when Joe Biden was vice president, they tried to tax and spend and regulate and bail our way back to a growing economy. President Trump cut taxes across the board. Despite what uh, Senator Harris says, the average American family of four had $2,000 in savings in taxes. And with the rise in wages that occurred, most predominantly for blue-collar, hardworking Americans, the average household income for a family of four increased by $4,000 following President Trump's tax cuts. But America, you just heard Senator Harris tell you, on day one, Joe Biden's going to raise your taxes. It's really remarkable to think, Susan. I mean, right after a time where we're going through a pandemic that lost 22 million jobs at the height, we've already added back 11.6 million jobs because we had a president who cut taxes, rolled back regulation, unleashed American energy, fought for free and fair trade, and secured $4 trillion from the Congress of the United States to give direct payments to families, save 50 million jobs through the Paycheck Protection Program. We literally have spared no expense to help the American people and the American worker through this. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to raise taxes. They want to bury our economy under a $2 trillion Green New Deal, which you were one of the original co-sponsors of in the United States Senate. They want to abolish fossil fuels and ban fracking, which would cost hundreds of thousands of American jobs all across the heartland. And Joe Biden wants to go back to the economic surrender to China, that when we took office, half of our international trade deficit was with China alone. And Joe Biden wants to repeal all of the tariffs that President Trump put into effect to fight for American jobs and American workers. Joe Biden says democracy is on the ballot. Make no mistake about it, Susan. The, the American economy, the American comeback is on the ballot with four more years of growth Thank you, and opportunity, Thank four you, more years of President Donald Trump. 2021 is going to be the biggest economic year in the history of this country. How America will confront China is also a critically important question in the upcoming election. Take a listen to the vice president's comments on China. Now, with regard to China, look, Susan, first and foremost, China is to blame for the coronavirus. And President Trump is not happy about it. He's made that very clear, made it clear again today. China and the World Health Organization did not play straight with the American people.
They did not let our personnel into China to get information on the coronavirus until the middle of February. Fortunately, President Trump, in dealing with China from the outset of this administration, standing up to China that had been taking advantage of America for decades in the wake of Joe Biden's cheerleading for China, President Trump made that decision before the end of January to suspend all travel from China. And again, the American people deserve to know Joe Biden opposed President Trump's decision to suspend all travel from China. He said it was hysterical. He said it Thank was xenophobic. But President Trump Vice has President stood Pence, up to China. Up. We're going to continue to stand strong. Thank you, Vice President Pence. We want to improve the relationship, but we're going to level the playing field, and we're going to hold Vice China accountable for what they did to America with the coronavirus. And here's how Senator Harris responded on China and how the Biden-Harris, or Harris-Biden, or however you would say it, uh, how their administration would deal with China issues. You know, Joe, he, I think he said it quite well. He says, you know, foreign policy, it might sound complicated, but really it's relationships. They're just think about it as relationships. And so we know this in our personal and professional relationships. Um, you got to keep your word to your friends. Got to be loyal to your friends. People who have stood with you, got to stand with them. You got to know who your adversaries are and keep them in check. But what we have seen with Donald Trump is that he has betrayed our friends and, 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 and embraced dictators around the world. Let's take, for example, Russia. So, Russia, I serve on the Intelligence Committee of the United States Senate. America's intelligence community told us Russia interfered in the election of the President of the United States in 2016 and is playing in 2020. Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI said the same. But Donald Trump, the commander-in-chief of the United States of America, prefers to take the word of Vladimir Putin over the word of the American intelligence community. You look at our friends at NATO. He has walked away from agreements. You can talk, look at the Iran nuclear deal, which now has put us in a position where we are less safe because they are building up what might end up being a significant nuclear Arsenal. We were in that deal, guys. We were in the Iran nuclear deal with friends, with allies around the country. And because of Donald Trump's unilateral approach to foreign policy, coupled with his isolationism, he pulled us out and has made America less safe. So, Susan, it's about relationships. And the thing that has always been part of the strength of our nation, in addition to our great military, has been that we keep our word. But Donald Trump doesn't understand that because he doesn't understand what it means to be honest. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, I saw on Congressman Lee Zeldin's Twitter uh, the news breaking that China actually censored Mike Pence's answer that you just heard. But did they censor Kamala Harris's answer? Absolutely not. That tells you all you need to know about which administration you should trust to stand up to China. China knows that they have a friendly ear in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They know that their policies will bring China closer to America, but that doesn't make China more like us. It just creates more vulnerability. It makes our nation, I think, less resilient when we allow China to send their students to our colleges and universities for quantum physics degrees and high-end AI and machine learning capabilities. It doesn't make China more like us. And when China uh, forces technology transfers, 
you know, that doesn't make China more like the American businesses. It just makes the Chinese businesses more likely to steal from the American innovators the way they've done with so many renewable energy uh, technologies that were initially developed here, but where China now owns global market share. And so there is there is the pro-China approach of the Biden-Harris administration embraced by China, even broadcast on Chinese state media. And then there is the realistic view represented by the president, Donald Trump, and Vice President Mike Pence, and even Pence's comments that were true and accurate about China were censored by the Chinese Communist Party. This is the fight that will determine whether or not the millennials and the Zoomers will continue to live in an America that dominates the next century, or whether or not we will have a diminished America, a less safe America, a less economically viable and secure and self-determined America, I think the choice is clear. And I think China is one of the biggest issues in this election for young people who want to ensure the greatness of our country continues. Buy next now and results now. That's the mantra for the new testing strategy in the state of Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis announcing in the villages the deployment of a new testing technology in Florida. Take a listen to the video put out by the governor. Good afternoon. Uh, it's great to be back at the Villages. I announced last week that Florida was going to be receiving uh, large shipments of, of a new rapid test uh, done by Abbott Laboratories called the Binex Now test. It's a test that delivers results in 15 minutes or less, does not require uh, the, the results to be run through a lab or any type of a machine. U.S. troops in Afghanistan should be home by Christmas, according to President Trump. Reuters has the story. All U.S. troops in Afghanistan should be home by Christmas, President Donald Trump said on Wednesday, just hours after his national security advisor said Washington would reduce its forces in Afghanistan to 2,500 by early next year. A landmark deal between the United States and the Taliban in February said forces would leave Afghanistan by May 2021 in exchange for counterterrorism guarantees from the Taliban, which were agreed to be negotiated uh, through this permanent seats fire and power sharing formula with the Afghan government. Uh, the Trump uh, administration and other officials have said that the United States will go down to between 4,000 and 5,000 troops in Afghanistan around November. Beyond that, officials have said that a reduction will depend on conditions in Afghanistan. On Twitter, Trump said, we should have the small remaining number of our brave men and women serving in Afghanistan home by Christmas. Wouldn't that be the greatest Christmas gift one could possibly give? It would put America first. It would put our people first. It would put our military families first. And while I'm not super optimistic about any guarantees from the Taliban, I understand that we can keep our country safer and more resilient without sp spilling trillions of dollars in Afghanistan for decades longer and standing over the flag-draped caskets of our best Americans, our bravest, some of our most talented uh, as they go out and fight in these godforsaken places uh, for, at times, unknowable gain. And that is not just my commentary. That's what we learned through the Afghan papers that were published in the Washington Post, that well into this conflict, senior military officials and leaders 
admitted to one another and themselves that they didn't know what they were doing, that they couldn't define victory. And in those circumstances, it is simply not tenable uh, to maintain this conflict. Now, there is bipartisan disagreement uh, from this view uh, by the president in the Congress. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the Republican chair of the conference, worked with Democrat Jason Crow to try to impair the decision by the administration to withdraw troops from the the area of Afghanistan. So as President Trump is trying to bring troops home, there is a bipartisan coalition in the Congress led by uh, Republican Liz Cheney and Democrat Jason Crow to try to keep the United States in Afghanistan. I think if that's their plan, uh, they ought to explain to the American people what it is we're fighting for, what metrics we're using to determine success, because as a generation and as a nation, I believe we have grown weary of these Middle East wars. If you're still wondering about the corruption that exists between the mainstream media and the political left, there's a great piece out by the Washington Free Beacon. NBC News undecided voters previously featured as Biden supporters on MSNBC. So they hold this Joe Biden town hall with presumably undecided voters. And literally they have people there who their own network has featured as supporters of Joe Biden. I mean, not only the collusion going on there to try to basically create a Joe Biden infomercial, but just the lack of self-awareness that even their own network had these people on explaining why they had voted for Joe Biden previously. So, you know, shame on NBC News for engaging in this type of obvious electioneering on behalf of Joe Biden. But it just shows the real Americans out there in our country what we're up against and how hard we have to work to share the truth, to get the truth out, to communicate directly, to organize and to mobilize around America first principles. They still are the most popular principles, but you see how hard some of the America last media entities are working with the political left to get in our way. We shouldn't let them. We should see through the nonsense. Did Ariana Grande's tweet break the Florida voter registration system? That's the story that the Sun Sentinel has covered. Uh, Skylar Swisher has the write-up. Pop superstar Ariana Grande contributed to an unprecedented surge in civic passion in Florida that left the state's computer servers struggling to keep up. So on the last day of voter registration in Florida at about 3 o'clock p.m., Ariana Grande tweets out to her 77 million Twitter followers uh, her encouragement to register to vote. And that tweet was retweeted nearly 7,000 times. Ariana Grande ranks number 10 in a list of the most followed accounts on all of Twitter. The Barrage sends all of this traffic 1.1 million hits per hour leading up to the state's registration deadline. Of course, Florida then extends that deadline uh, as a consequence of the traffic leading to some folks getting error messages. So Ariana Grande getting folks to the Florida voter registration system uh, led to an extension. Hopefully everyone who is eager to register to vote and cast a legal vote had the chance to do so. The persecution of Michael Flynn continues. I want to give you an update on the case reported by our friend John Solomon over at justthenews.com. Sidney Powell, the great lawyer, has filed a motion to disqualify Judge Emmett Sullivan as a consequence of the 
abject bias and disdain that he has shown to the defense. It is really far exceeded actual bias. It is unprecedented bias. Uh, so we have not seen whether or not Judge Sullivan will grant that motion. He likely won't, but then that creates another mechanism for appeal. And it is ludicrous that this prosecution has continued despite the Justice Department's uh, recognition that there was no crime by General Flynn. This was all a setup. It was a setup over politics. General Flynn is an American patriot, and we all should be thanking him for his service to the country, not putting him through this bullshit. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates, and a while ago I asked folks on social media and on the podcast, do you think we should change the format uh, as we prepare to move into a new year, a new Congress over the next few months? Should we invite guests? Should we go to a video format? And the results were fascinating. On Twitter, online, uh, we saw, gosh, 80, 85% of folks saying, yes, we'd prefer lower frequency, more guests, more video. And yet, for those who I think are probably those who listen to the pod more, those who write their reviews, like on Apple, there's probably more of a desire to keep our format like it is, straight to the point, talking about the news, giving my perspective, uh, maybe have a guest on uh, every once in a while, but uh, certainly not sacrifice the daily element of the platform. So a message received, we'll continue to look at it, think about it, make sure it fits in with the other work we're doing to serve the great folks in Northwest Florida. Make sure you do your part, share our content, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and make sure to join us tomorrow for more hot takes.